Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And welcome to morning, everybody. Another edition of the Morning Briefing. Jeff DeForest and filling in for Mike Luby Lubitz, my usual partner on these shows, is the great Henry, the director of social media for No Filter, and uh, met with rave reviews yesterday, from my understanding. Good to have you back, uh, Henry, for uh, another episode of the show. Uh, we have the NFL season. I, I can sense your excitement and, and the excitement of the people out there. Hell NFL season yes. cranks up tonight. Kansas City Chiefs defending Super Bowl champions. We had a betting theory on that, which was bet against the defending Super Bowl champion every week, the ensuing season against the spread. Sort of modified that through some uh, research that we did, and it's especially prevalent in the first four weeks of the season. The Chiefs now down to four-and-a-half-point favorites in the game of the Detroit Lions tonight. However, Henry, this game is now doomed for anybody that liked the Lions because Mike Greenberg of ESPN – Got up early this morning. I'm uh, watching uh, him on uh, his uh, program in the morning, and he loves the Detroit Lions. And, and I want to <laughs> say that Greenberg probably his last winner was the Allies with the points in World War II. This guy, literally, I mean, uh, just a human kiss of death. Whatever he picks, go the other way. Uh, that's usually prevalent. We've said this for many, many years, and it may be true of us in the long run, Henry, where if you could book the media's action, you would be a rich man today. It's like a betting against the weatherman. I mean, <laughs> you know he's going to be wrong, no matter what. Even if the weather is uh, like it is in L.A. and in Miami, the same every day. The guy still fucks it up. It, it's incredible. And if you could book the media's action, you would definitely uh, be a very wealthy human being uh, if you were doing this for any number of years. So Greenberg on Detroit. We're off. Chiefs all the way. They win in a blowout. They don't need Kelsey. They don't need Jones. All they need is Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, the fat man, and uh, they triumph uh, <laughs> relatively easily today. Uh, but uh, it brings up an interesting thing because the off onset of the NFL season, uh, and and I first got clued into in-game betting. Are you familiar with a lot of in-game betting? Do you a lot of do a lot of in-game betting, Henry? Oh, of is course, there, absolutely. That's how this like uh, balls and how my groceries get paid. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I was unaware of it. As much of a degenerate as I was, I started going to the track when I was 16 years old. I was uh, booking action. My first betting adventure came when I was nine years old, and uh, I was living in New York. And 
a friend of mine talked me into booking all the action against the Yankees versus the Pittsburgh Pirates in the 1960 World Series. And I was halfway to Queens in game number seven because uh, there was no way. I lived in Brooklyn. No way I could pay off these debts. Uh, the Yankees were crushing the Pirates in all the games that they won. The Pirates were eking out victories in the strangest of fashions in the three games they won. Uh, the Yankees had uh, just come back into this game with a three-run homer in the eighth inning. And uh, sure enough, uh, they called it a ninth inning, and Bill Mazeroski hits a home run. And if he doesn't hit that home run, uh, I probably would have been homeless at nine years old. So uh, that was my first experience. We, we didn't have the money to pay off the people at the odds that we were booking these bets on uh, against the New York Yankees. But uh, I, I'm in a bar one night, I want to say about a dozen years ago, and I'm sitting with a guy who happened to be a bookmaker. He was the world's worst bookmaker, a guy named Scotty. And uh, his deal was that if, if you lost, he would call you Sunday night and say, uh, hey, make sure you're in the graveyard on Monday at 10. I tell you what, otherwise the boys from Buffalo aren't going to be too happy with you, if you know what I mean. And I'm thinking, <laughs> don't, don't worry, Scotty, you'll get your money. But if you won, he was uh, talking about uh, you know, installment payments. You couldn't find him. All of a sudden, his phone was dead. Uh, he was lost at sea, all kinds of crazy stuff, disappearing acts. Uh, the likes of which you, you've never seen. And so we're sitting in a bar with this guy. He was a good guy. We liked him, even if he wasn't paying off on the bets that we won, which were rare. And uh, we're about three minutes into a game. It involved the New York Jets. He was a Jet fan. And we're three minutes into the game. And all of a sudden, there are about 10 of us. And we, we haven't even gotten our chicken wings and our beer yet. And this guy stands up and uh, with, with a guttural scream, I mean, that, that came from, from the bowels of his soul. He starts screaming, Run some clock! Run some clock! And we're thinking, Scotty, it's the first quarter. The game just started. There's no score yet. Nothing's happening of any significance. And he just keeps going, ignoring us and yelling, Run some clock! Run some clock! What are you talking about, run some clock? And it turned out he had an in-game bet that I had never heard of, which was no scoring in the first four minutes of the game. And he's praying. Oh my God! <laughs> that they don't go in for a score there at like three fifty-two into the ball game. So uh, he's screaming for the coach to change his strategy dramatically. Everything that was working, he wants him to stop and run some clock. And it turned out that he got very lucky because uh, there was a fumble or something, and there was no score in the first four minutes of the game. But I bring this up because uh, there was an occurrence last night. And uh, I, I, do you go to uh, any Italian restaurants out there in Alley Henry? Because uh, uh, you'd be a good person to pose this question to. Uh, where do you get the best meatball in Los Angeles? Oh, I meatball. love Italian. Are you kidding me? I uh, have you been Italian. to John and Vinny's? Is that the place to go? That's listed high on uh, all of the uh, all of the uh, reviews that I looked up. John is and Vinny's. Johnny and Vinny's is on. It's, it's on Yelp. Yeah, uh, that's big. Uh, Little Dom's. I don't know where do you go for a meatball there. <laughs> The Olive Garden right now, but I need Olive Garden. Okay, I, I need more money to go to like a Dom and Vinny's. <laughs> All right, well, you're you know fairly low on the totem pole of uh, yeah. standards. If uh, oh yeah, you're going to the Olive Garden there. I mean, yes. uh, you can stick a breadstick right up your ass after you go to this place. And, uh, <laughs> Figured that you got hosed in if you only paid a few dollars for these uh, meatballs. Uh, but but I would say far and away, the best meatball being served up in Los Angeles right now. And it happened to come to Miami last night where we have Cafe Monterano and a lot of great places that are legendary for their meatballs uh, is Lance Lynn. He's serving up the best meatball in L.A., the Dodger pitcher. Is, uh, hmm. Last night, I mean, he, he was getting tagged. The uh, Marlins came up with a big win. And I'm watching this game. And all of a sudden, I get a text from a friend of mine. And he sends me a tweet from a guy named uh, Aram Layton. 
who I guess is a baseball writer that uh, is very popular on Twitter and has all kinds of inside information on betting. And uh, Leighton tweets out, uh, there were two guys that back-to-back got hits in this game that, uh, I mean, it was, it was improbable a circumstance as you could ever uh, dream up in baseball. A guy named Jacob Stallings is a Marlins catcher who makes Choo Choo Coleman uh, look like he was Roy Campanella. I mean, one of my favorite catchers of all time, the Chooch. Ended up being a cook in a Chinese restaurant after his career. That's a rarity. I don't think you'll find that with too many baseball players where they retire from baseball after several years in the bigs and end up as a cook in a Chinese restaurant somewhere in Virginia. But uh, this guy never broke like a buck 70 uh, in terms of batting average, had no power whatsoever. Uh, It it was questionable that he even uh, should have been a major leaguer to begin with. And uh, Stallings, even though he's won a gold glove, came from the Pirates a couple of years ago. Uh, He he makes the Mendoza line uh, look like it was a barometer for excellence. Uh, Barely scratching 200 uh, in the two seasons he's been with the Marlins. So uh, he gets up there and uh, lines a double into the left field corner. A right-handed hitter, and they had everybody from center field over. I mean, this guy never pulls the ball because he barely makes contact. Lines a double in the left field corner, and he's followed by a guy named Joey Wendell, who was mired in the midst of just a dreadful slump, an impossible slump. Uh, You're wondering why they're even playing this guy or why he isn't playing for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp in the minor league farm system. Good uh, player for most of the season, but really in a, a terrible, terrible stretch right now. Uh, batting about 212 and uh, has one home run on the year. And uh, Lance Lynn on the mound. And here it is. Tomato sauce dripping off the ball there. where You can taste the spaghetti, a meatball right down the middle of the plate. <laughs> it's a home run in the right field. And you say, well, what is the significance of all this, DeForest? Uh, it turns out somebody had cashed on a parlay of Stallings getting a double to Wendell hitting a home run in the next at-bat plate appearance, and that parlay paid off at 500000 to one mm. in-game parlay. Now, yep. think about that for a second. I mean, who booked that bet, and where is that person today? How many people could have possibly cashed on that? It's insane. 500000 to one. Imagine, I mean, I don't know. What is the top amount they would take on that? You imagine some bookmaking place had to pay off $5 million on a $10 wager? They're closing books down with that bet, for sure. Oh, I I guess you would find a guy like Scotty somewhere in the middle of the jungles of Costa Rica after (laughs) somebody cashed on one like that. But uh, uh, totally insane. Uh, In-game bet. Who who would even conjure up a proposition bet like that? That that this uh, Punch and Judy hitter would get a double. And and then a guy that uh, you're you're wondering if he's ever going to make contact with the baseball again comes up with a home run and back-to-back plate appearances. and, And you're thinking... I'll take a shot on that at 500,000 to one. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I'll take a shot that the uh, earth comes to an end today and that uh, all life ceases. But they can't pay you once you pass away. So don't bet on the end of the earth. Uh, that would be my recommendation. Take the under on the end of life as we know it. In game betting, though, I mean, it's insane. I, I guess it's prominent in tennis. It became prominent in tennis and uh, with much controversy attached to it because uh, th- this looks like a fix. My, my friend who sent me the uh, tweet suggested that maybe Lance Lynn was the guy who bet that. And I, I think there should be some kind of investigation uh, in, into that. But uh, nonetheless, uh, tennis, uh, you, you can bet like that uh, somebody's going to double fault on, on the first serve uh, opportunity of the match. And, and then you, you're wondering, uh, you know, why the guy's smiling after he double faulted. And then mm-hmm. you look and there's like two Russian rabbis and they're high-fiving yep. each other in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> and you're thinking, uh, you know, I mean, how are they going to monitor uh, all of this stuff? And uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think that that you can make these kind of bets, but uh, some guy cashed uh, last night at uh, 500,000 to one on uh, Stallings double to a Wendell home run. And that may go down in gambling lore as uh, one of the legendary uh, proposition bet caches uh, of all time. Uh, now, the NFL season uh, gets underway, and uh, wow, I, I mean, what kind of who's the team that you're rooting for? I think you said you had the uh, 49ers in your heart. You're not are, you're yeah. not a Rams fan mm-hmm. with Sean McVay. He's fallen into disfavor. Uh, this guy Staley uh, with the uh, Chargers. I mean, you talk about a guy that looks like he's been paid off to lose games. That would be Brandon Staley, who makes uh, some of the more bizarre moves you've ever seen. So uh, yeah. uh, where, where are your affections as the season starts out? And are you, uh, Henry, traditionally more optimistic than maybe you should be about your team's uh, prospects? I am traditionally rooted in the Bay Area. So okay. all things 49ers, San Francisco Giants, and Golden State Warriors. I cannot stand the Dodgers. I can't stand the Rams. I hate Seattle. And uh, I, my optimism definitely comes from years of somewhat dynasties in the Bay Area with the Warriors and the Giants. And I, I'm very the, I'm very optimistic about the Niners winning the Super Bowl this year. That's the last piece. And, well, and they made a big is, move uh, uh, that, yes. just yesterday. They, they signed Nick Bosa and ended his holdout. And, this is the year. Uh, that's one of the serious blunders. Uh, and we'll get into some of this uh, with uh, the Miami Dolphins, who are the uh, – home-based team here for uh, where we originate from on No Filter. And uh, the, uh, I mean, did they not make a serious blunder? I mean, they drafted this guy, Joey Bosa, the father of Nick and uh, and Joe Bosa. I mean, uh, jo- uh, John Bosa was the uh, father. Joey Bosa and uh, Nick Bosa, the sons. And uh, it, what they neglected to do when they signed him to his rookie contract is retain their rights to his sperm. Because if they had done that, the Dolphins would be – a, a dynasty uh, for the last several years and uh, looking uh, great in, in, into the distant future. But oh, yeah. um, unfortunately, those guys play for other teams. John Bosa was a stiff when he was here and deemed to be one of the draft busts of all time, which is, uh, you know, wh- where we're going with all this. Cause uh, the, the optimism is abounding here in South Florida for the Miami Dolphins. Everybody thinks this is going to be the year. Uh, there are those skeptics out there, which I guess would include the odds makers because the over under total wins for the season is only nine and a hook for Miami. Think about that for a second. Let that sink in. They, they were nine and eight when they fired Brian Flores a couple of years ago for not being the guy that they thought could do the job. Then they bring in this Mike McDaniel, who's some kind of, uh, it's, like, it's like Nietzsche meets Vince Lombardi with this guy. And <laughs> they bring him in, a uh, very intelligent guy. You're familiar with him because he oh, was yeah. like sort of the quasi-offensive coordinator there. What with He's the 49ers? I did a great job. Very innovative with some of the plays. The way He's he used, a genius. Uh, Samuel and uh, some of these other guys. Getting a lot of mileage on quarterbacks that weren't all that great. So you're thinking, okay, that, that's an interesting hire. Although um, he, he does need an interpreter uh, when he does his press conferences. Because, uh, you know, you talk about going away from the standard sporting cliches. Uh, this guy literally is talking uh, as if, uh, you know, he, he was sitting down uh, thinking about taking the hemlock with Aristotle. It's crazy, but uh, nine and a half is not a great expectation considering what the Dolphins, the extremes that they went to in the offseason. Now, one of them already backfired, and that was Jalen Ramsey, who uh, was injured uh, very early in training camp, but was supposed to uh, be a big foundational piece that they put into their secondary. Uh, They already have the X-Men, Xavier Howard, real good player uh, who kind of slumped last year, and uh, it seemed like they were putting the pieces together. They brought in Vic Fangio. 
to be the defensive coordinator, grizzled old veteran. <laughs> and that, that's going to supposedly solve their problems. So to, so to see the odds makers who, uh, let's face it, I mean, you know, they, they, these guys know what they're doing. Uh, put a number up on like nine and a hook in a 17-game season. It doesn't seem overwhelmingly optimistic. And perhaps it's because they're aware that the Dolphins are operating under a curse. And we have been tracing this for some time. Uh, now, uh, do you believe that, that, I mean, good fortune often is met with an equal amount of misfortune and, and even uh, catastrophe? Have you found that to be true in your young life, Henry, where, uh, you know, something good happens to you, but then uh, you're looking around the corner there. I mean, there's, there's somebody chasing you all of a sudden. Sure. Uh, that money that you came yeah. into is subject to an IRS audit. <laughs> and you're thinking, uh, I, you know, I wasn't ready for this. And I don't think the Dolphins, they had Dan Marino in 1983. He falls into their lap. He's the 27th pick of the 1983 so-called quarterback draft. Now, you, you can't argue uh, Denver uh, taking, uh, or I guess it was uh, Baltimore took uh, John Elway or whatever. You, you can't argue with him being the uh, number one pick overall. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you had Jim Kelly in there. You had a couple of stiffs, Tony Eason. Todd Blackledge actually was his second quarterback taken. I mean, what kind of a mistake is that? How many great Penn State quarterbacks have you seen in the pros? John Blutarski, yes. 0.0. Zero. Zero. Mr. Blutarski. Zero. <laughs> Who would draft a Penn State quarterback? you got to be out of your mind. Well, while Jim Kelly was still sitting on a board, I mean, uh, that, that was a crazy pick. Uh, and, and, and Marino was dropping, 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 supposedly because he might have sniffed a little bit of the white powder while he was at Pittsburgh. There were drug, uh, you know, assertions being made. Uh, ah. His stats fell off a little bit. But you watch the guy. I mean, it's like a guy shows up at the park, uh, you know, and uh, you know, one of your buddies gets out of the car and, and you're picking sides. And then out of the other car comes like Dr. J. Uh, who are you going to pick? One guy looks like an athlete. The other guy looks like your schleppy friend. Uh, Marino, he looked the part, and uh, Don Shula was giddy when he fell into their lap. But what he didn't know was uh, the way they treated this guy, they've been cursed ever since because they, they were going to let him go and play for the Minnesota Vikings and, and turn into another Johnny Unitas, another Joe Willie, just, just a sad sack picture of his former self. I mean, uh, uh, looking like, uh, you know, he should have been, uh, you know, a guy, a subject in, in Requiem for a heavyweight. And, and you're thinking, yeah, I, I, I could have been somebody. But uh, it, it, they, they let Marino uh, leave under those. Uh, he didn't leave. He ended up retiring instead, uh, instead of facing that indignity. And, and since that time, if you trace what happened to this team, you would have to say that, that they're uh, operating under a curse, a complete curse, uh, mostly uh, fueled by just absolutely catastrophic moves in, in drafts regarding quarterbacks. So it goes back uh, to uh, 2001, and uh, they have a chance to uh, draft Drew Brees in the second round. Uh, well, they had a late first round pick. Breeze went in the first pick, first pick of the second round. Uh, they could have taken him, but uh, instead they took a defensive back named Jamar Fletcher, who had to be identified by dental records uh, from his rookie season on. I mean, he, he literally got burnt beyond recognition so many times that, uh, I mean, it cost coaches their jobs, general managers, entire regimes fell because they took Jamar Fletcher over Drew Breeze. They had a second shot at Breeze. Uh, later on, uh, I guess this was uh, 2006, and uh, Breeze was a free agent. Uh, he had, had a shoulder injury, and the Dolphins had, uh, believe it or not, Nick Saban was their head coach. So uh, Saban, uh, I don't know if he had any say in this, because if he did, I mean, this was a moment that he will never live down. Uh, the Dolphins decided to take Dante Culpepper as a free agent, 
who uh, literally showed up to uh, the facility in a wheelchair. His knee was so bad, and they passed on Drew Brees a second time. But the rest, it's history, right? I mean, uh, Brees goes on to a Hall of Fame career there with the New Orleans Saints, and uh, the Dolphins are dealing with, like, Cleo Lemon. And uh, guys that, uh, you know, are so obscure, they don't even have their own uh, football card. Uh, so, so it pops up again. I mean, they, they whiff on that. Uh, and, and then Matt Ryan is available to them. And uh, 2005, he goes as a number three pick. But the Dolphins uh, make some kind of wise maneuver trying to save money. And they draft a running back out of Auburn named Ronnie Brown, who had a couple of years where he was okay. He wasn't even the best running back in the Auburn backfield that year. And uh, that was the year, of course, uh, where you saw what? You saw Aaron Rodgers plummet in the draft down to, what was he, number 24 pick? Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Dolphins he... have the number two pick. Everybody's talking about how Alex Smith is going to go number one and Rodgers two or vice versa. In fact, I, I think the prevailing wisdom was that uh, most people thought Rodgers would be the number one overall pick. So the 49ers take Alex Smith, which, uh, you know, he turned out to be like, okay, I, I don't know. Well, it wasn't like, uh, you know, he, he was going to make you forget about uh, any of the greats of the game, Joe Montana, if you're uh, in San Francisco. But uh, he got a lot of money. That was still when the draft, uh, they, they had to outbid themselves for some reason for the number one pick. So he got like $60 million. And there's Rodgers. And I, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're too young to remember uh, uh, the uh, transpirings uh, of that particular draft day where you know how they always follow the guy whose stock is dropping sure. and he goes through various stages of becoming more and more miserable right. to the right. point of being despondent to where yeah. they're, they're actually like his agent is handing him a cyanide cap by the time they get towards <laughs> the end of the first round and that was rogers rogers is sitting there with a very uh, like uh, and maybe this changed his attitude towards women the way this uh, went down but uh, he had like a kind of a cutesy blonde girlfriend and he's sitting there, uh, a young Aaron Rodgers, and uh, he's holding her hand, and everybody's optimistic. Dolphins pass on him, and as well, like 23 other teams. And uh, during the course of that time, the girlfriend, he, he ends up uh, leaving the uh, area there where, where they were televising the draft room, goes to the green room to try and seek some privacy, and she ends up in the lap of his agent. Even she left him. It was incredible. And the Dolphins uh, <laughs> left them on the board there at number two. I mean, they, they'll never live it down. These are transformational, bozoic moves made by a franchise. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they also had passed on uh, Matt Ryan as well. So uh, just in that period of time alone, and, and we're going to get an example, and maybe, unfortunately, we're going to get another spanking here, because uh, who do the Dolphins open up against but the Los Angeles Chargers on the road? And the big debate here in this town is uh, – did the Dolphins make a tragic mistake taking Tua Tagovailoa at number five while Justin Herbert went at number six? Uh, these are moves, Henry. I, I don't know. You, you probably haven't come across this as many times as I have. Uh, it's been around a long time. But uh, moves that, that uh, throw you into such a tailspin, mm -hmm. there is no way out. No way out. And uh, so I, I think that they're operating under a curse. I, I, I think Herbert will uh, dominate that ball game uh, against the uh, Miami Dolphins. And uh, we will see once again the debate rage about uh, Tua versus uh, Justin Herbert, which so far is what? That's a wipeout. That, uh, you know, is like sending Ray Donovan in with a bat to uh, try and decide the argument. Uh, you know how it's going to come out. And uh, we, we shall see. But I, I think all of those elements just uh, serve their purpose in, in cursing the franchise forever. Are, are you buying any of that argument? Or uh, th There were some stats and some facts thrown in there, but it wasn't just yeah. a complete hypotheses on my part 
there there was some there was definitely some pain on your end, but I think that's I think that's countered with some with some real knowledge and some real stats. I'm I'm pretty big on McDaniel. I think Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins, I think that's the best antidote for this poison in the in the water there. Um especially while Tua was there and every time the Tua Herbert matchup that matchup happens, that's I mean, that's just an in your face display of how wrong they've been. But I will say the Chargers are just as cursed as the Dolphins. If you're talking about a, a franchise that just can't put anything together and, and do anything right with these Hall of Fame players, I I I bet you the Dolphins beat the Chargers, actually. I bet All you right. they come more prepared. And I, I bet you they come with a little bit more a little bit more pepper in their step. Uh they're way faster, way more talented. Uh, you know, the the Chargers, as you said, they got a dipshit for a head coach who <laughs> just doesn't seem to learn from his own stupid ass mistakes so yeah well i mean uh, and, and he does it time and again which uh right. you know, you think exactly. even the law of averages are not on this guy's side but uh it's exactly. fourth and inches from the two yard line when you should put up a field goal and take the lead in the ball game uh, I, I understand everybody wants you to go for it but but he does it then from like his own 35 right he, yeah he's it's not really, consistent you know, daring the gods of gambling there, there are gamblers uh, i mean uh, that would like to see staley treated like the uh January sixth, uh, you know, people lower, you know, where with uh, just just locked this guy up for like twenty two years. But um, anyway, we'll see. Uh, so we're we're on opposite sides in that one. Uh, I, I'm just thinking, you know, looking to the sides from the gods of gambling. I, I think you you always have to consider uh, the lack of optimism by the people that are making these lines. Uh, that that nine and a hook number is uh, reflective of the idea that uh, the people that are so called in the know are, are non believers in the Miami Dolphins, so which I mean, you would think, how could they not be any better than they were last year and, and the year before? But even with all of the changes they, they made last year, they, they did no better than nine wins. And towards the end of the year, they, they looked kind well, of sorry. So it, it we'll did see. help. It did help that the fact that Tua went down as a clinical vegetable for a couple oh, of no weeks. Doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, uh, I, I don't know that he's recovered either. We haven't seen no. too much of Tua, but he did his last uh, press conference in Hebrew. All right, uh, well, one last thing. And yeah. uh, I, I'm watching, I'm a big fan of tennis. I'm watching the U.S. Open, and it, it turned into a Schwitzfest. You, you would have thought it, it was like Moses Malone and Patrick Ewing in the low post. I have never seen sweat like this since Shaq was with the Cavaliers. Um, <laughs> it's uh, uh, unbelievable. I mean, uh, they, they, didn't know what to do. Sometimes rules are so antiquated that, that you really need to get away from them. And I, I don't know what, what form of tennis etiquette was in play here where you, you couldn't just close the roof to the arena and pump this place with air conditioning yesterday, Arthur Ashe <laughs> Stadium. Because uh, it, it's like a thousand degrees outside. And I mean, it's like the Second Amendment people. You know, they're always talking about, hey, well, you can't take away our Second Amendment rights. So it's okay. That, that, that law is antiquated. It, it was written when people had muskets. That, that was like, uh, you know, uh, an automatic weapon back then. Hey, you got a couple of more of those balls here? I think I see some Indians out there. Uh, you know, that, that was the time. Uh, so it, it doesn't apply anymore. It's not, it's not appropriate. Same thing like any of these NCAA recruiting rules, right? Why is Jim Harbaugh being suspended for anything? Who cares anymore? They're, they're waving money at people. It's no longer under the table. It's just, uh, you know, straight out bidding war. It's almost like uh, you're, you're going on a quiz show and picking out, yeah, yeah, I'll take door number three there. Well, whatever you want there. Just come to Purdue is the way that they're doing it. So, I mean, all of those laws are antiquated. And the whole cloak of amateurism, I mean, that's 
that's been dust uh, for 50 years, ever since they uh, started signing huge television contracts to uh, provide uh, entertaining games and football and basketball on the college level. I mean, they've been making gobs of money, uh, the distribution of which was radically unfair. But but they ended up paying a price. But I, I don't know why people abide by these kind of stupid rules, but uh, they did it yesterday at the U.S. Open. And uh, Medvedev, who was playing in uh, one of the uh, quarterfinal matches, and uh, now we're uh, earned the right in a three-set victory uh, over his countryman, uh, Rublev, who, who's uh, you know, a real hard-ass player. He, he actually said, one of us is going to die uh, in here. And uh, I, I, I believe that Russell Crowe had a better chance of getting out of the Coliseum alive in the Gladiator movie, which... <laughs> And these guys did uh, by making it through. I mean, if that had gone five sets, it really would have been the literal tennis bloodbath. All right, we'll leave you with this. Uh, are you betting the game tonight? You say you're on Detroit, or, or did you? Uh, you're going with the Chiefs? Well, I, I was on Detroit until you brought up that Greenberg's got every finger on his body on Detroit. So I'm Greenberg, yeah. Think I'm not it. crazy about that. I think I'm <laughs> with you. I think I might want to fade the guy. You know. You might even just want to take a pass on that one, right? Right, and, uh, exactly. Say, oh, you know what? I love Detroit in this game, but since he likes them, that's it. I mean, right, uh, that, exactly. There are people like that in your life that, that you you know, you know have to pay attention to and, and follow that. But uh, I, I'll leave you, everybody with a piece of advice, all right? And uh, this was, uh, and, and you know, what a beautiful lady. May she rest in peace forever. Uh, my grandmother, her dying words to me were, and I think you could take this throughout the entire NFL season, my grandmother's dying words were, Always take the points. Don't. That's where we, uh, you know, that's that's where we rest. Always take the points. Just just take them, no matter what the circumstances are. You'll probably come out ahead at the end of the year. Uh, Henry, go, go have another meatball. Step it up a little bit from the Olive Garden, all right? <laughs> Maybe you ought to get uh, one of those you. offerings from Lance Lynn. I mean, uh, people, are, he, he's giving up gopher balls like he was passing out bar mitzvah invitations. It's incredible. And uh, congratulations to whomever that was. That hit for a half a million to one uh, with that parlay of uh, Jacob Stallings to uh, Joey Wendell. Double to a home run in the Marlins-Dodgers game last night. I will see you next time. Thanks, uh, Henry. Always a pleasure, my friend. Of course. Uh, Enjoy the day out there in L.A. And uh, sayonara from Miami. And we'll see you tomorrow. Are you game to do it again tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Get me up in the morning. It's uh, sort of my cadence now. You're my alarm clock. Sounds good, my friend. All right. uh, We'll see you tomorrow on the next edition of the Morning Brief.